Well, this week, as I was, I knew it was Mother's Day, and so as I was looking ahead and I was preparing a sermon for this Sunday, I was trying to look for a good introduction. So I went to Google and I searched successful mothers. You see, my plan was to start with a good story, something that summed up the world's view of what is a successful mother. And to contrast that with our passage this morning and God's view of a successful mother. So one of the first articles that I came to is a 2014 CNN business article entitled Secrets of Successful Moms. I mean, this is exactly what I'm looking for. In this article, they, they interviewed three young moms to see what it was that made them successful. But as I started reading the article, it quickly became evident that the title was a little bit misleading. You see, this article was not about three moms who are successful at being moms. Rather, it was about three moms who have found success in the business world despite the struggles of motherhood. You see, the author of this article seemed to view motherhood as just another hurdle that these moms had to get past in order to accomplish their dreams on their road to success. In the view of this author, this motherhood was not a, a gift. It is not a good thing. It is not a privilege. It is not a calling. It's a hurdle. These women were praised for being successful despite the call to motherhood rather than for being successful in motherhood. Now don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying this morning that there's anything wrong with mothers being successful outside of the house in the business world. Even this morning, as Jordan read, Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman is a successful businesswoman. She is a go-getter, she is a hard worker. That is a good thing. But I am saying that the mindset displayed in this article, and frankly in the world around us, the mindset that views motherhood as something to overcome rather than something to embrace, rather than a calling, rather than a privilege, that is a dangerous, even an ungodly mindset. So the question for us this morning, then, is this. What is the right mindset? What does the Bible say? How should we, as Christians, view motherhood? This morning I want us to, in a sense, rethink motherhood. Or maybe a better word would be to refocus. Because it's not, we won't see anything new this morning. We know these truths. But maybe here on Mother's Day, it is an opportunity for us to pause and to refocus to recalibrate, to remind ourselves of what our calling is as Christians. What is the motivation of Christian motherhood, the purpose, the goal? What are we striving after? I say we there. I'm not a mother, obviously. But together, what are we striving after? As you're tackling something like motherhood, there's lots of places that you could start. You could go all the way back to Genesis 1.28. Genesis 1.28, the very first thing that God says to man and woman. Do you know what it is? 
The very first thing that he says is this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That right there raises parenthood, motherhood included in that. It gives it purpose. It gives it meaning. That is the very first thing that God says to Adam and Eve after creating them and bringing them together. Or we could this morning go to Proverbs 31. In Proverbs 31, we see the ideal, wise, resourceful wife and mother who cares for the thriving of her family. We looked at that last year on Mother's Day. We could look at examples of godly mothers in the Bible. There's examples of godly mothers all throughout Scripture. One of the examples that that stands out, at least in my mind, is the example of Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mother and grandmother, who are praised for their faith, a faith that was passed down to Timothy as he viewed their faithfulness, as we see in 2 Timothy 1.5. And we'll touch on several of these passages throughout the morning. This morning I want to go a little bit deeper. Not just to examples of what it looks like to be a faithful Christian mother. But to the very motivation of what Christian motherhood is. What is it that motivates us? What is it that that drives us? What is the goal? And to do that, I'm going to go to a passage that is not typically, it's probably not the first passage that pops your mind as you think about Mother's Day. But it's one of these passages that is an overarching theme of Scripture. This is is Paul's big picture goal in his life, and I think it gives meaning to motherhood. It's found in Philippians 1, 21. It's a simple verse. It says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In fact, as soon as I said Philippians 1.21, there's probably many of you out there who could have yourself quoted that to me. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This passage, Philippians 1.21, is a passage that has had a huge impact on my life personally. In fact, it's it's a passage that I have up on the wall in my office. In fact, I remember exactly where I was sitting on the second floor of the BJU library between classes. I probably should have been studying, but instead I was in the library. I was studying my Bible. I was doing my devotions for the day. And I came across this verse, and my life has never been the same since. This verse hit me like a truck. You see, the context of Philippians 1.21 is that the Apostle Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He's waiting for his case to come before the emperor, and he is facing the reality that he might be executed. That's a very real reality. You can see that in the, in the context. Even in verse 20, right before 21, he says this, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I, should not, I, I should, shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. 
I might live and I might die. I don't know which. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how many days I have left. But this I know, that I want to magnify Christ. Even in verses 22, following verse 21, he goes on with this idea. If I live in the flesh, this will be, uh, mean fruit for my labor. And what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard tw- pressed between the two. Hard pressed between the two. What two? Between living and dying. I don't know what would be better. If I live, I will honor Christ and I will glorify Christ and I will lift his name. If I die, I will be in the presence of Christ. Both of those sound so sweet. But the context here gives us a little view into Paul's situation. He is facing possible death. This is not hypothetical. There's the very real possibility that this might be the last letter that Paul writes to this church. As he sits there in house arrest, surrounded by soldiers. This could be it. I mean, just pause there for a second and try to put yourself in Paul's shoes. If you are writing your last letter, it could be your last. You don't know what tomorrow holds. What would you say? What are the things that you would stress? So it's in this context, with this burden on his heart and his mind, that he writes these words. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. These are not empty words, just meant to fill space. Paul is not just writing inspiring words that he got off Pinterest, something to really kind of get people up and going. These words are the raw overflow of a man whose faith is real, even as his life is in danger. If this is my last letter, if this is the last thing that I say, then this is what I want you to know about me. That for me to live was Christ. And death was gain. As a young college student, these words blew me away. It was as if they opened my eyes for the first time to see that the gospel changes everything. This gives a whole new meaning to life. It's not about me. I'm not just saved from hell. I am saved to serve and to glorify God. I have been called to a purpose. The truth of Philippians 1.21 gives purpose to even the smallest details, even the most mundane tasks of my life, and that purpose is the glory of God. One commentator phrases it this way. The foundation, center, purpose, direction, power, and meaning of Paul's life is Christ. Every single aspect of his present bodily, earthly existence is completely permeated by Christ. Listen to that again. Every single aspect of his present bodily, earthly existence is completely permeated by Christ. You see, this verse, Philippians 1.21, is a big picture verse. 
This gets to the overarching purpose of Paul's life and everything that I have done and everything that I will do. This is what drives me. This is my purpose. Christ and Christ alone. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, well, that's, that's good for you. I'm glad that the Lord used this verse to do a mighty work in, in your life. In fact, last night I was going over this uh, sermon with Krista and she goes, so you're going to spend all Mother's Day talking about a verse that means something to you? <laughs> so what does this have to do with Mother's Day? What Philippians 1.21 has to do with Mother's Day is that it gives purpose to motherhood. If this is true, if we are to be striving with Paul after the glory of God, if we are to be following Paul's example as set forth here, that every single aspect of our present bodily earthly existence is to be completely permeated by Christ, then that includes the call to motherhood. Did you catch that? For you to be a mother is Christ. Have you ever paused to think about motherhood in this way? It is a privilege. It is a calling. And your calling to motherhood is not just practical. It's not just to keep these tiny humans alive. Your calling to motherhood is doxological. It is to bring glory to God. Do you see how the truth of Philippians 1.22 takes motherhood out of the mundane tasks of life and raises it up into the things of eternity? Here in Philippians 1.21, Paul's ultimate goal of bringing glory to Christ gave purpose to his imprisonment and his suffering. And I know, motherhood too sometimes can feel like suffering. But seen in this light, motherhood gains an eternal significance and purpose. And changing diapers, feeding Spanking, driving, doing laundry, helping with homework, enlisting, praying, crying, providing, cleaning, scolding, cooking, counseling, and everything else that you do as a Christian mother, you are to be bringing glory to God. So do it with purpose. Do it with joy. Do it well. It is a privilege. It is a calling. Don't take it lightly. Maybe you're with me so far. You see the purpose of motherhood is to bring glory to God. I, I get that. I understand that. But practically, what does it look like? What does it look like for motherhood to be completely permeated by Christ? I'm sure I could have come up with a long list of lots of things that it looks like, but I, I've got three here this morning. First, it looks like this. 
For your motherhood to be completely permeated by Christ, it looks like a faithful, personal walk with the Lord. It looks like taking time to open your own Bible, to know your own Lord. As mentioned earlier in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul praises Timothy's mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. And what does he praise them for? Does Paul praise them for staying on top of the laundry? Does he praise them for the excellent gourmet meals that they made? Does he praise them for their organization? He praises them for their faith. Their exemplary faith. A faith that made an impact on a young Timothy. I'm sure that even hearing that, many of you think back to your own mothers and the the impact that they have. Or maybe it wasn't your mother. Maybe it was another Christian woman who the Lord brought into your life, who kind of filled that gap. These women whose whose faith impacted you. Their faith changed you. As you saw their love for the Word of God, as you saw their faithfulness, as you saw their prayer life, it was exemplary. And it made an impact on you. Mothers, your devotional life, your prayer life, it's not just important for your own life. It's important for the spiritual life and discipleship of your children. Dr. Newman once said something. He said, you can only draw on what you know of Scripture. If you don't know what the Bible says, how are you going to disciple your children in the ways of the Lord? How are you going to counsel them in different situations that that come up in their life if you don't know your own Bible? If you don't know your own Lord, if you are not thriving spiritually, how can your kids? They need to see your faithfulness. They need to see your passion, your hunger for the things of the Lord. Last year on Mother's Day, we walked through Proverbs 31. And do you remember what we saw? What was the key to the Proverbs 31 woman's success? Because she was successful in lots of different areas. But what was the key? As you come to the end of Proverbs 31, in Proverbs 31.30, it says this. After talking about how charming she is and how beautiful she is and how good she is, this is what it says. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. So if it's not those, what is it? What is the key to this woman's success? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The key to the Proverbs 31 woman, it's her faith. She fears the Lord. If your motherhood is to be completely permeated by Christ, then you must have been changed by Christ. You must have your own faith. 
You must have had a moment when you placed your faith in Christ alone, when you saw your sin and your need of a Savior, and you turned to Christ and you cried out, Save me, I believe! Because how can the glory of God be the purpose of your motherhood if the glory of God is not even the passion of your life? It starts with you in your personal life. But secondly, if your motherhood is to be completely permeated by Christ, then not only must you love Jesus with all your heart, but you must proclaim Jesus with your mouth. The reality is that you will speak about the things that you are passionate about. You will talk about what you care about. It will come through. In fact, we could probably bring people up on stage and you could say, yeah, he he likes this team. She's really into that show. She likes gardening. you You would know the things that each other are passionate about because we know each other. We know what we talk about. We know the things we go back to. But do your kids know about your faith? Do they know about your God? Paul, again, is an example of this. In Philippians 4.22, at the end of the book, as he is closing his letter, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, and he writes this, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. That's one of those phrases there at the end, especially those of Caesar's household, that grabs your attention. That's like someone writing, you know, all the believers in Washington, thank you. Especially those in the Biden's household. What? There's Christians up there? That is awesome. The gospel has reached to even the highest ranks of Rome. Now Caesar's household there doesn't necessarily mean into the royal family itself. It could very well mean that. As you look at other uses of the phrase, it likely means just everyone connected to the emperor's service. Everyone who has something to do with Rome. And so really, likely what Paul is saying here is even some of the guards and servants who have served me have come to know Christ. How does that happen? Because Paul talks about it. Because this is what he is passionate about. Because for him to live is Christ. So he talks about it. It dominates his conversation. To where even some of the guards and prisoners likely have come to Christ by Paul's testimony, even in jail. In fact, we know that Paul talks about Christ in jail, do we not? What about the Philippian jailer? In Acts 16, as Paul has been beaten and unjustly thrown in jail, and what is he doing in jail? He's praising God. Seems to be a pattern in his life because there's a purpose to his life. Because for Paul to live is Christ. Paul was not just faithful in his private life, he was bold publicly. He took every opportunity to preach the gospel. So mothers, 
Take every opportunity that you have to speak of the gospel, to speak of the glories of your Lord. Don't just let your children see your faithfulness. Let them hear your testimony. If your motherhood is to be permeated with Christ, then your speech must be teeming with truth. I praise the Lord for a mother and a grandmother who spoke often of their Lord and of their faith. I remember many times as a kid, and many times because I was very bad, I got many spankings. But as I would get spankings, my mom would send me to my room. She would come in, she would sit down, and she would go over a verse with me. She would pray with me. Because even in punishing me and pointing out what I had done wrong, she was pointing me to Christ. And over the course of time, year after year, that had an impact on me. In everything, speak of Christ. Finally, if your motherhood is to be permeated with Christ, then you must display Jesus with your actions. Not just love him in your heart, not just speak of him in his mouth, in your mouth, but love him in your actions. There's a saying, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. That is so true, is it not? You can say something, but if you don't live it, people are going to notice. Don't just walk with the Lord in private. Don't just speak of the Lord in public, but live like you believe it. Because your children will be quick to notice your hypocrisy if your speech does not match your life. Children are very quick to pick up on it. And your faithful life will have a bigger impact on your children than all the lessons and sermons that they will sit under throughout the course of their entire life your example will make the biggest impact. Your day in and day out faithfulness as your walk matches your talk. It will make a huge impact on the lives of your children. So be active in church. Be loving towards others. Be gentle with your children. Be kind in your relationships. Be bold in your evangelism. Be faithful in your responsibilities. Be active in prayer because there are little eyes that are watching you. Your walk does talk louder than your talk talks. And if you, and if for you to live is Christ, then your children will see it and they will one day rise up and they will call you blessed. So because the purpose of motherhood is the glory of God, then the task of motherhood deserves your utmost attention and faithfulness. You are not a mother who happens to be a Christian. You are a Christian who has been called to the privilege of motherhood. And it is your Christian identity that impacts your motherhood. Success in motherhood is not found in strict schedules, clean rooms, prompt laundry, or gourmet meals. Success in motherhood is found in active Bible reading 
Success in motherhood is found in constant prayer. It is found in faithful living. It is found in purposeful disciple-making. Notice too here at the end of the verse, for to me to live is Christ, notice those last few words, and to die is gain. You see, Paul's hope is not in the circumstances of this life. His hope is in eternity. Because it is true that Paul's life is permeated by Christ, because for me to live is Christ, then to die and to lose the things of this Lord, uh, of this earth, and to be in the presence of my God, that is gain. Because now my faith is sight. I am with the one for whom I have lived. When in Christ, your goal is God's glory, then your hope is God's faithfulness. He will do what he has said, and death will be gain. Your faith will be sight. So be comforted in this, that your motherhood is not measured by the outcome of your children. It's measured by your faithfulness to the Lord. So be faithful. Walk with the Lord privately. Speak of the Lord publicly. Live like you believe it. Let every interaction be permeated by Christ. Trust the Lord. As we close this morning, I think there's a final word that needs to be said. Because Mother's Day is not a day of joy for everyone who is here. There are some to whom Mother's Day brings pain. Maybe it is the sting of death. Maybe it's an unfulfilled desire for motherhood. There's a million other reasons why this day may be a, may be a painful day. And I would say to you this morning, if that is you, to rest in the hope of a good and faithful God. He knows what he is doing. And he is good. Do you believe that? Even if you don't feel like it today, do you believe it that God is good? That he knows what he is doing? In fact, I would go beyond and say even that the purpose of motherhood, really it's no different than the purpose of womanhood. You are not exempt from this message because for all of us, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Maybe the Lord hasn't given you your own children. But that doesn't mean that you don't have the opportunity to make disciples. For many of us, there are other women outside of our mothers who have made an impact on us. Women who have impacted us deeply. I can think of many in my own life. And I praise the Lord for their faithfulness. I praise the Lord that they spoke of their Lord. And that they lived it that I saw that outside of just my home. Your hope is not tied to being a wife, mother, or grandmother. Your hope is found in your faithful God. 
for you to live is Christ.